Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Mark. I'm Matt Henry. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Lena. And we are going to finally finish up our long series on the Trinity. Uh, we've been dealing with the economic aspect of the Trinity, right? And well, he's got, you, you got to, what do we got to do? All right, guys, like, <laughs> share. No, well, we got to, no, 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 no. <laughs> So you just want me, you want me to start it out by liking, sharing, and or do you, or what do you want to do? Isn't that what we're doing now? Are we doing we have every to say episode? It every episode, yes. That's that's normal for podcasts. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make it long. and say like, share, rate, review. Matt, what are we talking about? Perfect. All right, there you go. Simple. This is Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Mark. I'm Matt Henry. I am Matt Miller. And I'm Lena. All right, guys, you know the drill. Like, share, rate, review. Matt, what are we talking about? We are talking about the economic trinity, the yes. last one of our series on trinity. And we're going to do... <laughs> Goodness. Uh, no, I was just talking about that. I got I got, I got through that rate and review thing. No, I'm talking now. Talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. Anyways, so anyhow... <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, this is this is my time. The only time I have to talk. I'm going to meme mode right now. So you guys get meme mode. Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, oh, as the older and more mature of the uh, group here, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and how uh, He works. We've been dealing with the economic trinity, which is simply how the Godhead interacts. Uh, within the Godhead, their works, uh, they have specific roles. Uh, and one of the things we've been trying to do is encourage you as you listen to this to then spend that a week just thinking about how you see God at work. And when you invoke the name of God, recognize and remember that all three persons of the Trinity are at work in that. It's not just a, the Father never works all by himself, nor does the Son or Spirit. So when you, when, when you learn to begin to practice that, what will happen is that your mind will, in a sense, expand because you'll be, begin to realize that there's something much bigger going on than vaguely God. One of my things I hate personally when I'm talking to somebody is they're like, yeah, so, you know, I was thinking about this and I was praying to God about that. And then I ran into the person at the store. You know, it's, it's a God thing. And I'm just like, <sighs> but my point in that is that's, <laughs> that's well, in, in one sense, yeah, but it, it, it essentially diminishes the person of God into this because it was a cool thing and right. a coincidence. This is clearly God. And I've seen people make massive life decisions on that. But what in reality, you're not even thinking deeply about God. Um, you're not thinking about the Father, Son, and Spirit. And this is something we want to encourage our listeners to, to do. It will change how you speak. It will change how you think about things. It'll change how you pray. Um, and even as you're reading the Bible, you'll begin to ask when just God in general is speaking or referenced, uh, is this speaking of the Father, the Son, the Spirit, or the Godhead? And so, again, it's something that we think is worth your time. So, we think this final one will be somewhat helpful, 
hopefully very helpful because it's going to clear up maybe some confusion about the spirit. There's so much uh, talk about the spirit today, confusion about it, and what we hope is that by the time we're finished, you'll walk away saying that was helpful, that was clarifying. So with that, we'll talk about specifically what are the works of the spirit. Okay, so the the first one um, is the spirit is the one who gave scripture. Which is huge. Uh, yeah. Um, so we're not going to, you know, this isn't the place to talk about the doctrine of inspiration. That would be under bibliology. Um, and we've, we've talked about that in some other episodes before. Um, and so here's just a, a couple of passages that, um, to, that represent this. Second uh, Samuel 23, uh, verses 1 through 2 says, Now these are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, declares, The man who was raised on high declares, The anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel, the spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. So there's, there's an Old Testament reference to the fact that the spirit is the one who inspires. And that's when they read the Old Testament, they'll see it constantly. Yeah. How about a New Testament one? Second uh, Peter 1, 20 and 21. This, the ones that we'll read here are just standard. Uh, but know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So this is one of the classic ones when we're dealing with the doctrine of the inspiration, that yeah. no one is doing this out of their own power or their own spirit, but literally the Spirit himself would drive them along like the wind would drive the yeah. sail of a ship. And this is this is Peter. So there was already an understanding this early on, a yeah. uh, clear understanding that Old Testament was divinely inspired by the Spirit. Right. Yeah. Uh, another one would be 2 Timothy 3.15, all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Um, so he, he uses the term inspired there, um, which literally means that it was God-breathed, uh, uh, the, the, the pneuma of God. Is that how you say it? You, you actually really hit that P, pneuma? Well, in Greek. I know. I mean, in English, it's, I guess it's, it's silent. It's, but I know. I, no, I yeah. was glad you took that one because... I always stumble over that, trying to make the P, but also not overemphasize the P. Yeah. Um, that has nothing to do with this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that makes our point here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so the, the Spirit of God or the pneuma of God, if you will, um, is, is how the Word came about. Um, and so, therefore, without the Spirit, there would be no Bible, plain and simple. Right. So, everything else we talk about on the podcast wouldn't exist. Because what we're trying to do is drive people back to the scripture. And so it's such a massive work. And again, one of my frustrations is that there's such a hyper emphasis upon the spirit in some kind of a miraculous or powerful way that what we end up doing is diminishing the most glorious act that he did for us. And that is giving us the revelation that's sure and true and perfect. So uh, another one is that we'll talk about now is... Just focusing on the Spirit of God in the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, because this is something you're going through with Luke, and I'm really enjoying how you're drawing out uh, the clearness of those passages and how they're showing the work of the Spirit. Uh, so in Luke 1, 27 to 35, we see his birth. Uh, the key part is uh, in verse 27, uh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, speaking of Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So 
the connection, the logical connection is because this is coming from the Spirit, as a result, this is going to be the Son of God. So right. yeah. um, he's the agent bringing together the divine and human natures in Mary. And again, we have a sense of the Trinity. Um, the Father is sending the Son to become the man, and the Spirit essentially is making that happen, which is quite fascinating. Yeah. Um, in Matthew 1, 18 through 21, uh, we have another record of this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Uh, verse 19, And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Um, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For it is he who will save his people from their sins. Yeah, so again, a, a massive passage because we just saw that it's the Spirit that gives us the Scripture. And now it's the Spirit who brings about the coming of our Savior. Right. Um, so <clears throat> key stuff there. Yeah. Uh, second, he, he empowered Jesus, um, Matthew three sixteen, And after being baptized, Jesus went up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as of a dove and coming upon him. Um, so the Spirit comes upon him and then uh, empowers him for ministry, essentially. Right. So anything that Jesus did in his earthly ministry was done by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and just a couple more to go with on that. Um, Lainey, you want to read the Matthew 12 passage? Sure. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A battered reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick he will not put out, until he leads justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. And, and there's, a, again, a logical connection going on there because the Father, again, this is very Trinitarian, the Father uh, is going to put his spirit upon the Son, and as a result of that, and he will now proclaim justice to the Gentiles. So there's this connection of the coming of the Spirit and placing the Spirit on him, mm -hmm. and therefore then that proclamation ministry that Christ had. Yeah. And we... I. Maybe we've talked about this in other episodes, but I'm trying to talk about it in Luke. But the the spirit coming upon a person um, is is also symbolism for anointing. That this was yes. divine approval, because in the Old Testament, um, the spirit's function to come upon a person, particularly a king or a judge, or something like that, was was a formal anointing from God Himself, and therefore commissioning a person for a particular task or ministry. And so the language of the Spirit coming upon Jesus here in Matthew 12 is very important in understanding that this Jesus is the divine, divinely approved, right. you know, messianic figure, if you will. Right. Uh, and then one more, John 1, the Spirit coming upon Jesus at the baptism was all... I'm reading my words rather than the scripture. Um, uh, I did, it says in John 1, 33, uh, here's the actual passage. Yeah. And I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, he upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And so here it's at the baptism and John is explaining that when he saw that happen, the, the coming of the spirit upon him, that this is the one 
yeah. who was a promised one. Yeah. Which blows me away because that means John was a great prophet and yet he wasn't. He, yeah. he was aware and not aware. Yeah, of who he was. Yeah. yeah. Well, in fact, later in Luke, he, he asked the question. my point. I know. Oh. Yeah. No, no. Oh, yeah. well, he, he asked the question. He goes, are you the one or are we expecting another? Well, and <laughs> and earlier he said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And then it just, yeah, it tells you there's a lot of mystery in what exactly a prophet understood Yeah, um, personally. Right. Even if they were speaking, that they themselves might not fully grasp yeah. the importance of well, what they're Well, and we see saying. that in Daniel explicitly, yeah. right? Where he's oh, that's just, a good point. He's just like, I don't. I'm saying these words, but I have no idea what they mean. <laughs> I am merely a mouthpiece. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but but it was also part of the Old Testament prophecy, um, what, seeing what the Spirit was doing here with Jesus, right? So in Isaiah 42, 1, for instance, uh, it's recorded, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom is all my, my delight. I have put my Spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. And that's then fulfilled at the baptism. Right. right. And again, that's a Trinitarian passage. Yeah. Uh, one more, Isaiah 61.1, um, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. And of course, when he read that, he says today, this has been fulfilled. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so, you know what's interesting? And this is a, by the way too, when, when Jesus, or John the Baptist is in prison and he sends out his followers to say, hey, go and find out if this Jesus is the Christ. And Jesus quotes back this passage to him. He quotes it back exactly, except he leaves off the part about freedom to the prisoners. Did you know that? I didn't. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, that's neither here nor there. But um, uh, That's a good little tidbit, though. Yeah. A factoid. Sure. For, for Bible trivia. All right, so some. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah, thank thank you for keeping us on yeah, right. on track there. Um, as a result, though, Christ's preaching then becomes one with authority. Uh, again, uh, just quoting the Isaiah sixty one one again in Luke four eighteen, that because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, He's sent me to bind, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that part of the the power of Christ was that because it was done in the spirit, his, his preaching was done with authority and, yeah. and in power. It, it was not just words. Um, yeah. That's my point. Yeah. Um, in Matthew 12, 28, we see that Christ um, has a, a authority over demons as a result of the Holy Spirit. It says, but if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Uh, so, Clearly, I mean, he wasn't casting out demons before he had the Spirit. No. Right? Yeah. But in his formal ministry, once he receives the Spirit at the baptism, now he's right. just casting these things out like left and right. right. And, of course, that's where a whole unforgivable sin thing comes in is that they're saying that this is all occurring by the power of Satan himself. So they're literally blaspheming the yeah. Spirit. Yeah. Uh, and then one that you just, you're in the process of preaching through in Luke 4 about the fact that one of the jobs that, uh, the spirit had was to literally drive Christ into the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted by Satan. I don't know if you, I, I kind of left that blank because I thought you might want to wax eloquently or well, at least fill in because this is something you're sure. Well, I mean, other than I think my comment has been 
I don't have any conclusions other other than it it really messes for me in terms of what I understand the role of the spirit to be doing in the life of a spiritual person mm -hmm. that he receives the spirit at baptism and then immediately is cast out into the desert, but to be tempted, yeah. you know? And so, um, when you're a Christian and you receive the spirit, you have to, at least in some way, imagine that this is also what he does with you. Yeah. Um, when you receive the spirit is he purposefully puts you into positions of, and there's a motorcycle. Nice. And another Harley. motorcycle. Yeah. yeah uh, puts you in a position of, of weakness or in a position of trial right. um, for the explicit purpose of being tempted. And it's a, it's a very, a very unthought about thing. I think that uh, this, that we don't think much about that the spirit does. Right. Uh, another thing would be in Hebrews nine fourteen, uh, he, uh, Christ offered himself as a fit offering to the, to the father by the spirit. And so it says, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Again, Trinitarian. And it was that nothing Christ did, nothing in his earthly ministry was done on his own. It was always done by and in and through the spirit, which is fascinating to me. Yeah. 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 Humanity is being motivated by the spirit. And, and energized by the Spirit. And, but it gets back into your point that there's things that the Spirit is going to be doing in and through us that we may not always think would be the, what the Spirit's going yeah. to be doing. Or want Him to do. Yeah. And no it, one wants to be tested. No. Right. And, and, and it gets into the cheapness of, again, how we yes. treat the Holy Spirit. And He really is nothing more than just this person that's supposed to be taking away your sickness. I mean, I'm reading right. a Bill Johnson book, and it's just horrid. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I, I, I can only read a little bit before I start getting so angry I can't sleep, so I have to yeah. put him down. But yeah. he, he, he so mangles the ministry of the Spirit, um, and people are buying into it by the droves. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, this isn't to take a cheap shot, but it's just, it is what it is. Um, in, in many charismatic churches, even more conservative charismatic churches, when the Spirit's spoken about, he's always spoken about in terms of just good things. Um, we need more of the Spirit. We want more of the Spirit. We want His presence more. Right. Um, we want to sense His leading more. But they're never talking about Luke 4. No. No. Right? Where, yeah, you, you should want more of the Spirit so that He can drive you into a position of weakness. Yeah. Humility. To test you to see what you're really believing in your hearts, as Jesus picks up on from Deuteronomy 8. Yeah. And it's... <laughs> You know, I, well, I really want us to do a podcast on that. I want to do a Q&A with you on that because your last two sermons, I think, are bringing out some really important and misunderstood aspects yeah. um, that I think would be fruitful for everyone else to hear, too. Um, he's also involved in the raising of Christ Jesus. So it says in Romans 8.11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. And the point that he's making here, Paul, in Romans 8, is that it's the same spirit that's involved in Christ's resurrection that's dwelling in us. And therefore, because Christ was raised through the spirit, so too, we should have the confidence that it's okay, no matter what comes, no matter what enemy comes, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which you'll make in a little bit. Um, but rather we're safe because the Spirit will raise us up as well. Yeah. Yep. 
Uh, so some application just on this section here. Um, so, so you can see in these passages that, as we've been saying, every aspect of Jesus' earthly ministry was done in and by the Spirit. Um, he, he did nothing on his own accord, in other words. Um, also, G Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, needed the power and the presence of the Spirit. Then how much more do we, yeah. being Christians, uh, need his empowering presence? Um, we also must see that though Christ was in the fullest manner possible, walking in and by the power of the Spirit, he still suffered. Um, he had problems. He was tempted, again, as we see in Luke 4. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's foolish for us to think that we ought to be or that we're immune to these things somehow because we have the Spirit of God. Yeah. Um, and I, I argue that that's the death blow to the lies of prosperity preaching absolutely. and so much of what goes on in the charismatic churches where the only time they're going to affirm the manifestation of spirit is when somebody's barking like a dog, shaking on the ground, uncontrollably laughing, or supposedly giving some great word uh, from the Lord or being slain in spirit. Those types of manifestation or what they claim to be manifestations uh, rather than that the spirit is present in your suffering, that yeah. he's in in these hardships. Um, and yeah. It's that simple. The last thing I'd say also by way of application is Christ's work in the eyes and standards of the world was not a success. Mm -hmm. And therefore, again, going back into yeah. the point of prosperity and whatnot, um, we ought not to judge our value and our purpose by the world. The Spirit will and must enable each of us to do God's work. And we must judge our work according to that standard rather than the devil's. And some, I, I think as a pastor, at least, um, you know, the first question that always comes out when you're meeting other pastors is how big your church is. And yeah. that's, it's, it just is. And I don't even know if it's necessarily wrong, but boy, it, it always has that temptation, you know, and that you're looking at this and you're judging that and you're just wondering um, rather than judging yourself by, are you being faithful with the Word of God, yeah. which is given to you by the Spirit? Are you preaching in the power of the Spirit? Are you seeing people coming to Christ? Um, are you, and if they're not, are you at least faithfully bringing the gospel to them? Um, it's going to be the Spirit that regenerates them. But does that make sense? Yeah. So, it does, because like, you're, you're judged by how many people you have in your church based on you know whether you're effective and popular. But... Christ was completely abandoned on the cross, you know, and it's just, he was alone, not yeah. popular. <laughs> well, I that's mean, I think I, well, no, I go was ahead. Say, that's the thing I always try and point out is he walks into Passion Week with celebrity status. Right. Right. I mean, people are chucking palms all over the, you know, all over the place. And, you know, he's casting things out. He's feeding thousands of people, doing all these things. But by Thursday, he's arrested and Friday killed. And he's got his mother yeah. there at his feet, and that's about it. Yep. You know, um, even Paul, I mean, completely abandoned, right. pretty much. Yeah. I mean, he had a, a few loyal friends at the end, but. Yeah. Yeah, I I just think we uh, we do a disservice uh, in America, at least, uh, toward that, and we see it in Africa too when we're there. Yeah. The, the the celebrity pastor kind of mindset there is very strong yeah. as well. It's just worldly. So, so those are the things that we, we saw just of what the Spirit does in the life of Christ. Now we'll talk about briefly what, and we won't even be exhaustive on this, but what the Spirit does in the life of mankind. Yeah. So, so number one is, is he makes man, 
and is involved in creation. And this one, most people know, but Genesis 1 and 2, the earth was formless and void, um, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Um, and so you see the Spirit there just hovering in, in preparing this, this void, um, this emptiness, but ready to bring forth life Right at the word of the Father. Right, right. which is the Son. Christ, yeah. Right. Um, then the Spirit of God has made me, this is coming out of Job 33, 4, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. There, there's a great parallel structure there that the Spirit and the breath of the Almighty um, are one and the same. And again, it's it's the Spirit of God who made us, and we can, well, our, our existence tied up in all of that. Yeah. Um, another thing that he does is he regenerates us. Uh, this is that passage you and I still have not debated online. um, We shall do an episode someday. How about you read that one? Okay. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be, I always laugh at that part, sorry. Into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. All right, so... The point there, and Matt and I disagree on exactly what's meant by the water and the spirit, um, but the point of it, regardless, is that it's the spirit that brings us new life. It, we must be born again by the spirit or born from above if you take the alternate right. um, renderings. So I, I live in Christ because the spirit made me alive. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple other passages. Yeah, uh, in John six sixty three. Uh, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. So, very clear statement. Who gives life? The spirit of God. Right. And, and, and what's also very interesting is then he tightly connects that to the word of God, which yeah. is given by the spirit. Yeah. Um, and in it is spirit and life. Uh, you have, I mean, life again. So, there's this tight connection also between the spirit's not just willy-nilly giving life to something, it's connected to the word yeah. as well. Um, and so no one can bring themselves into a state of regeneration. You can't make yourself reborn. And this right. gets into, again, the Calvinism debate um, yeah. with others who would say, no, I'm born again because I believed. And a, a reformed perspective would say, no, you believe because you've been born again, born again. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that's another podcast right um, third he teaches and guides the 12 uh, John 14 26 the promise made to the 12 but the helper the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you it's a very important verse for uh, the writing of scripture right actually yeah. and that's why I wanted to make certain this was a promise made to 12 because yeah, we try to make application. Glom it on to us, right. Right, yeah. right. 
that I'll, I'll just be somewhere and then God will bring something to my mind. And, yeah. um, and there might be that. I mean, you might find yourself where you're just amazed. But what's he bringing to your mind, though? The scripture. scripture right. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. And so it will always be a secondary. The primary application to this or meaning is that he's speaking to the uh, disciples. That yes. That's why it's so important that the Spirit come. That's yeah. one of the many reasons. And he says it in a different way, but the same idea in John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you not, I don't like the rendering into, uh, it's the the preposition N, Mm -hmm. Uh, he will guide you in all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and will disclose to you what is to come. So this is, again, important in the writing of scriptures. How how did the apostolic writers, how how did all that come about? Well, it was the promise of the coming of the spirit who will now guide you in this truth. And he's going to bring it back to your mind. He's going to disclose it. All of this is what the Spirit does. Yeah, because Jesus was teaching them for three years. Right. And he, they they learned all these things in well, theory. John said <laughs> right, right, all the right. books of the world can't contain. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so now when he's gone, the helper comes of the Spirit, and he brings these things to their mind that Jesus taught them in those three years, and then out comes Scripture. Right. It's important because, you know, people say like, well, what did Jesus say? I don't care what, you know, Paul said or whatever. It's like, well, Jesus said what the Spirit gave him to say, and so did Paul. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing, though, is that... that, 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 Equal authority. uh, Red-letter Bibles are not actually helpful because we do. We end up exalting uh, the the words of the Lord as if the words of Paul are not the words of the Lord. Yeah. Um, And it's like, no. No, that's all coming by the power of the Spirit and the inspiration of the Spirit, and it's not a lesser truth. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a subtle thing that's kind of popular nowadays. Yeah. Well, what did, you know, I, I've heard people use it for homosexuality. Right. It's Jesus like, well, yeah, Jesus never said anything, and that's, that's enough for me. And it's like... You did say a man shall cleave to his wife, though. I mean... Oh, my. <laughs> it's, it's... Uh, anyhow. Uh, then he's also, the Spirit is very much involved in the development and the health of the the church. I'll, I'll give just one quick overarching passage, and then we'll look at some specifics. Uh, it says that while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Here in Acts 13.2, he's just simply saying, it's the Spirit. It's not Christ speaking of his church, but actually it's the Spirit of God who is speaking to them to say, hey, yeah. it's time for these two men to go off and begin their incredible ministry that's going to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And and so he's concerned about the growth and the multiplication of the churches. And that was a work that the Spirit does. But there's several other things he does as well. Yeah, he also indwells uh, the church. Ephesians 2, 21 through 22, uh, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Uh, and so the, this dwelling of God, this church, in other words, is the realm in which the Spirit dwells. Do, do the next yeah, one, too. And then uh, 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit dwells in you? So same thing. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Um, he also raises up elders. So in Acts 20.28, 20, it says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So now we're seeing not only is he dwelling in the whole church, but then the spirit is actively raising up the elders within the church. Um, That's pretty important stuff because they're the shepherd. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, he also gives spiritual gifts to the church, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. So he's dealing with an issue of unity here, but, but the point that Paul is making clear is why should there be unity? Because all these things are coming by the Spirit of God, same. this one yeah. Spirit. Yeah. Uh, he also empowers preaching. I won't read the whole passage, but in Acts 4, uh, it says that, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, having been filled, he then preaches this right. incredibly convicting and powerful uh, message. Uh, but also in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5, Paul says, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. This one is the one I usually go to when talking about why I, I despise people buying their sermons and, and using clever little clips and saying, well, this guy's got so many followers or this guy's really popular, we'll just use his. It, it's apparently a new style. Have you heard about this type of church planting where you basically, the, the pastor's only job is to just manage the church and get it growing and all they do is show videos of popular preachers. Oh, man. And yeah, yeah, he doesn't even bring the word. Um, and again, the whole issue of at the movies and all the other stuff that I like to complain and whine about, but it's because, you know what? You, you have the word of God that's given by the Spirit, and nothing is more powerful than a man filled with the Spirit preaching yeah. the words of the Spirit yeah. to a people who have been indwelt by the Spirit um, and to unregenerate people that's that's the means by which God will then regenerate the spirit, right, right. Uh, regenerate them by the spirit. So, I I I just want to urge mm. people to expect much from their pastors and um, and never underestimate the power of the spirit in in preaching. Yeah, and especially when it's um, Christ centered. Yes. Right. Because what and we're going to say but what is what is the main purpose and function of the spirit but to draw attention and glory to Christ alone and so how do you what's the mark of a spirit empowered or spirit um you know given message well it's <clears throat> one that's filled with Christ right and so like in at the movies it's like okay we can talk about religious or spiritual principles drawn from a movie but they're Christless no no the actual ad for it says <laughs> that we're going to look at popular movies over this last year, and we're going to draw truths, timeless truths, I believe, timeless from truth. them. And I'm like, yeah. well, if only God had given us a book right. that Truly contained timeless. timeless truths. Yeah. But no, I guess we should go to the movies and show those clips because that's where those truths are found. It's it's yeah. just... Well, uh, and it's why there's nothing transformative about it. No. Because, it, yeah, it's, it's Christless nonsense. So I got to beat my... Drama again yeah, one time. Well, you know, we got to get it in every episode. Yes. Apparently, people are um, expecting it. This is yeah, what our little, T-shirts will say. Yes. Hashtag, not at the movies. <laughs> Bring your popcorn. Movies. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ephesians five eighteen through nineteen. Uh, the Spirit empowers true worship and song. Um, that famous passage. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. 
Now, let me, let me give my version of this, okay? Um, and do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation, but be filled by the Spirit, um, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So it's not that you're being, the, the content of what you're being filled with isn't the Spirit. Um, it's rather the Spirit's filling you with certain content. And we know from Colossians that it's the Word of God. Yeah. And so what, what truly is a spiritual song, a psalm, a hymn, or a spiritual song? It's, it's a song that at the very core is defined by Christ. It's a, it, you know, it's a Christocentric song, in other words, um, which is why in the Colossians passage, he says in the very same point, instead of being filled by the Spirit, it's let the word of Christ, Christ dwell right, richly. richly. Right. Um, so it needs to be that of Christ. That's the content. That's what makes it Spirit-filled or Spirit-empowered. Can I ask a quick question? And I want to get into the whole translation idea. But like you said, it's right here. It says filled with the Spirit. Right. With and by, to me, doesn't seem super interchangeable. Right. How... How does how does that? Yeah, I, I, me not knowing to read that is by the Spirit. I'm reading with the Spirit. And I'm reading that totally differently. That gets into why you have good translations. Yeah, it does. But this is this is I, God's I, translation no, I, right here. I know this. Is, it's a good translation. <laughs> what are you yeah. using? What does the net say? <laughs> Actually, what does the net say? I'm Let's find out. All right. Well, well, I'm sorry. Does. I don't want to take from your point. Well, well, just, that was while she looks it up. Yeah, no, it's a good question though, because I don't want people to lose confidence in their translations. Sure. I, I had to do this yesterday, yeah. and Lydia, yeah. when I was talking about right. the first class conditional. And she's like, what you said makes sense. She's like, I just wonder if people, if, yeah. it, if it may cause them to doubt, because mm. it's like, well, I'm never going to know that. And yeah. sure. no, But that's so the funny. task of the preacher. It is. It is. Mm -hmm. That's why God gifted to the church teachers. It's, it's what I hate when I hear people. I mean, I had a, a person once sit in my office and say, you know, pastor, I really appreciate all of your books and I see them all and you're obviously well learned and you've studied much, but the, this person said, but I don't need any of that because I have the spirit and I have the word and that's enough. And so just to be the jerk I was, I gave her my Greek New Testament and I said, well, would you read for me? And she's like, well, that's Greek. I'm like, yeah, but the spirit didn't give you this translation. <laughs> the spirit gave a Greek uh, <laughs> Bible, a New Testament. And so... And my point to her was, I was trying to drive home, but she, she just really believed, no, I just need the spirit and I can discern this. Like, no, God has given the church teachers yes. for that very purpose. Yeah. The net says bye. Bam. Bam. Oh yeah. man. I do like that translation. It's very good. Yeah. yeah. That's, um, that seems very different. Okay. Well, it is. And I can explain why quickly without boring you, I hope. Um, is just, it, it's a parallel. He says, don't get drunk with wine for that's dissipation. So they're trying to keep consistent, but in the parallel is, but then be filled with the spirit. So with wine and with spirit. So they're just trying to stay consistent with the translation, but that's not what, how the prepositions functioning there. It's the preposition N E N. Sure. Um, it, it should Which, be understood as by, and that's how it's used yeah. in large measure throughout the new Testament. And the Greek prepositions can have a lot of different English. I remember, yeah, I remember going through persons. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I've never seen that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's just all about how you pull it together in context. Yeah. Okay. Boy, uh, that's uh, another notch for uh, the net translation. Yeah. All right. I One more. It. He brings unity to the church uh, in Ephesians 4, 2 through 4. It says, with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you were also called in one hope 
of your calling. Um, so the, here the command is actually you are to be working hard at, at preserving that unity that is possessed by the church because of the Spirit of God. And that's not something you're allowed to um, disrupt. So he, that that's the end of our discussion on on his works among the men. But so we we see that the Spirit gives us a word. The Spirit is working and work through all aspects of the the work and life of Christ. Mm -hmm. And now we see he's also completely involved in our life right. as Christians. Mm -hmm. um, so with that, are there anything else that we could add? Yeah, um, just some concluding thoughts. Uh, we. Um, the Spirit is, without a doubt, the least understood of the Trinity, right? Yeah. yeah. And and certainly the one that we tend, therefore, to take for granted. Um, and at the same time, as I mentioned, He's always directing our attention to the Son and to the Father. Uh, you don't ever, in the Scriptures, see the Holy Spirit lifting Himself up. He's always working behind the scenes. Um, and so therefore it is possible to over, and we see this all the time, but overemphasize the spirit's work that we actually fail to see the purpose of his work. Right. You know, what's he working for? What's, sure, what's his yeah. role? What's his function? Uh, it's to bring attention and glory to the son, um, and point to the father ultimately. Um, in fact, it would not be wrong to say that, that when everyone is talking about the spirit and what he's doing, that it's likely not him doing it at all. Uh, right. So if you're in a church where it's all about the spirit, likely you're not even seeing the work of the spirit there because right. what's the role of the spirit? It's to make much of Jesus Christ, right. not the spirit or what the spirit's doing in you. Um, in so, fact, I'm going to bring that out in Acts 2 because when the right. spirit came upon them and they were all speaking in tongues, yeah. not only were they just speaking in human language um, that was not their own, but it's it, it clearly states what they were saying. It wasn't just mindless things. It was literally the mighty works of God. Yeah. So... In but response the, to the preaching of Peter, right. of Christ and him crucified. Right. Yeah. So it, all of this is something you don't get when you're coming into so many churches where Holy Spirit could fall upon us. Or I, I heard that one tape, I think you did too, where the guy started out a church meeting by saying, you know what, let's just all sing in tongues. And it was the worst cacophony I've ever heard. And and he just goes on and on about how the Spirit's working. And every aspect of it was about the Spirit, and it was not exalting the Father. It was not exalting the, the Son. And I'm like... Nor would that be honoring the Spirit. No. Yeah. No, because that's not what he does. So hopefully this whole series has been helpful to you. Hopefully it's um, strengthened your understanding of your God, uh, who is the true God, how he reveals himself, and also how he functions. So... We thank you for listening. Like and share. And review. Rate and, review. And comment. <laughs> and comment.